This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fiercely Altered Perspective. Or the Fat Pod. What's up? I'm Ember. I'm Quinn. What's crack a lackin'? And today, last part, final <laughs> episode. I am tired and my eyes are on fire right now. <laughs> I think from playing outside in the sunshine too much, my delicate little eyeballs can't handle. Yeah, well, you do glow in the day. So. I know. <laughs> day walker. So if I'm not all with it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But hey, but before we get into the third and final chapter of <laughs> Nuts with Nuts, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you a little something, something. So the last few episodes, um, you heard me talk about, well, a few episodes ago, you heard me talk about how I got some new headphones from Studio Sweden. Yes. Um, holy shit. It what? is a huge difference. <laughs> what? Holy shit. Holy shit. Shit. Holy shit. <laughs> They're so nice. It's amazing because, like, yeah, the sound quality, unbelievable. Um, the comfort, unparalleled. I'm I'm literally sitting here in my big old fat, squishy, comfy chair looking up at the computer desk at a pair of Dre's, or excuse me, a pair of Beats by Dre, uh-huh. and a very nice pair of Marley's, mm-hmm. and they're sitting on the computer desk. Yeah, we don't use them uh-uh. very often. <laughs> uh-uh. And money-wise, what I have on my head now versus what is sitting on the computer desk now these are cheap i mean for for what you were for jesus for what people pay for the over the ear beats what people pay for over the ear marley's what people pay for over the ear bows because i had a pair of bows as well at one point in time these are price wise it's on parallel they're considerably cheaper than any of the others that i just mentioned and quality wise none of the other ones can beat these yes and there's their noise cancellation is wonderful over the ear ones are called the regents they come in black or white and you have black yes i have white matches my soul (laughs) mine matches my skin tone almost you can't even tell i'm wearing them i was gonna say you're wearing headphones you can kind of tell, but that's because I'm, I'm a little red. The well, only reason I can tell you're wearing headphones is the white strip running across your red hair. <laughs> uh, fuck you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and to make it even better, all of our listeners, if you enter in the Fat Pod, all in caps, when you check out to get yourself some of these sweet headphones, you'll get 15% off. Right. 
So, so that's even better. You get like a, a really good pair of over-the-ear headphones for under 100 bucks. Right. With the discount. And you can go wired or wireless. Mm-hmm. And as far as audio-wise goes, I haven't noticed a difference between wired and wireless. Uh, nope. No it's, difference. It's, it's wonderful. It's spot on. Heck yeah. And the battery life lasts forever, so you don't have to worry about, you know, oh crap, I didn't charge those yesterday. They're not going to work today. Right. No, no. No worries. Right. Studio has your back. Yes. So with that, is it studio.com? Mm, studio Sweden, I think. Mm, I don't think they have Sweden anymore in it. Mm. Well, let's have a gander at the old Oracle really fast. One second. I'll say, if not, it's in our show notes as a permanent link. <laughs> oh, my phone's being amazing. Oh, we have a direct link in our show notes that... Um... Yes, it is studio.com. With that, if you go through and order them on Amazon, guess what? Amazon doesn't recognize our discount code. So go straight to the source. Go to studio.com and check out all their different lines, all their different headphones. Pick whichever one you like. Type in the FAP pod at the end of it. It'll get you 15%. Life is good. Life is good. Life is good. Yeah. Let's see. What other announcements do we have? Be sure to always follow us, stalk us, social media, all of that fun stuff, all at the Fat Pod. Hang out with us over at the Fat Lounge on our Facebook group page. Also, the biggest way that you guys can help us get our name out there even more is if you have the time to rate and review us. Those always go a long way. And I think that's all that we have. <coughs> For right now. Right, right, as right. As far as announcements go. Yep. All right. So last week when we left off, we were 14 victims away from being completed with the Dean Coral case. Right. We've learned about Dean's early life. We've yeah, learned so about. The sad part of it is, is if we're 14 victims away from it, we're 15 victims deep into it. Mm-hmm. Of the known Right. Victims. Of just the known ones. And we'll go over that some more too. But. We know who all these people are. We know what they're what is going on. We know that Dean has control over David and Wayne to have to make sure that they do what he wants. The last part that we left off of was David being raped. And yeah. Yeah. His own henchman. Mm-hmm. His own little helper. Right. Strapped up to the board, getting brutalized and vandalized. Why? Because he questioned authority. Uh-huh. Stupid, silly Dean Coral. <laughs> hates him. I hates him. <laughs> so, on June 26, 1972, Dean moved to an apartment in Westcott Towers, and in this apartment, he will kill two more victims. On July 19, 1972, Stephen Sickman, a 17-year-old kid who worked, who worked part-time at a Dairy Queen, went missing after leaving a party. His mother would search for weeks to find her son because the police brushed this aside as yet another runaway. Stephen was a free spirit and an artist at heart. He'd often talked about going to California. Stephen was also very protective of his younger sister. She had been burned as a baby to the point that she had to wear a wig. So being the good good big brother, he always protected her. He fought with his older sister, but they were still very close. Once the bodies were being discovered in 1973, the Sigmunds would call to see if their son was one of the missing boys. Unfortunately, it got to the point that the police would just hang up on them. They wouldn't find out where their son was until 2009 over three 
decades later, and in finding their son, they ripped away another son from a different family. Mm-hmm. Which we will explain all of that soon enough. Right. So this is actually one of the very few cases that Dean took a teen without the help of David and Wayne. Stephen Sickman would be raped, tortured, and actually bludgeoned with something made of wood. And they're not really, sh- they were never really sure what it was. But Dean had struck him in the chest with the wooden object and it had actually broke several ribs. The cause of death was strangulation with the nylon cord that was still found around his neck. Hmm. On August 21st, 1972, 19-year-old Roy Bunton would be another kid taken without the help of Wayne or David. He was headed to his job at the shoe store at the Northeast Mall in Houston. He was tortured, raped, and shot in the head. Roy's remains were also found to be some of the misidentified. David and Wayne never named these boys as victims and knew nothing about them, which leads many to wonder how many more are there. Right? Oh my gosh. On October 2nd, so really none of these are too far apart still. Right. Like we're still, and it gets so much worse. So on October 2nd, 1972, 14-year-old Wally J. Simono and 13-year-old Richard Hembry were walking to Richard's house for a sleepover. After the boys were reported missing, a friend had said that they actually tried to talk to Wally and Richard, but there was another kid there that made them leave. And then later they were seen in a white van. Now we know that Dean would have the boys write letters or call home sometimes for the victims but on this night things wouldn't go as planned. When Wally called his mother he screamed mama followed by the sound of shuffling and the line going dead. So Wally's mother immediately called Richard's mother since they should have been over at their house and it was at that moment that they realized both of their children were missing. Richard's mother said that they were running late and not home yet so the next call would be to the police. Hmm. Since this case actually showed some evidence of foul play or something suspicious, the police would try to find these boys. However, when they finally do, unfortunately, they wouldn't be alive. Instead, Wally and Richard would be tortured and raped, and on that morning, Wayne came in waving a gun around and accidentally shot Richard in the mouth. They wouldn't be killed until later that night, and when they were buried in the boat shed, they were actually placed right above James Glass and Danny Yates, who were victims number two and three, if we remember from last week. Right. So how do you accidentally shoot someone in the mouth yeah walking in waving a gun around like a lunatic i don't ask the questions of a teenage male mind <laughs> no i understand that but just yeah yeah well almost two de- or two years to the day that dean bought the boat shed and almost 20 boys later he would need another boy he never could go too long without a victim and on november 12th 1972 dean would find his next boy richard allen kepner well richard allen kepner went missing after he left to call his fiance at a payphone. Richard's family members figured he had just ran away like the cops had suggested. Jesus. Suggested. They never once thought that their son was taken by the candy man because he wasn't in the typical age range of the victims. Richard was 19 and sadly went unidentified for 11 years until his family could identify him in 1983. So from November 1972 until June of 1973, which is a pretty big gap, there's only one murder that is known to take place in February and that one Dean got without the help of David or 
or Wayne. Now, the reasons why there is there was a pause isn't fully known, nor do we know if he ever really stopped during this time. However, there are some things that happened that could explain the break, some of which would be Dean moved to the Princessa Apartments on 1855 Wirt Road, and David was now 18 and had got his girlfriend Bridget Jones pregnant, and they were planning on getting married and moving on with life. I wonder Le- if Bridget had a diary. <laughs> Bridget's... <laughs> Bridget Jones diary. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I've never even seen that show. Me neither, thank God. Woo, go us. (laughs) High five. High five. (laughs) Anyways. Oh, and they were planning on leaving Dean behind. Did I already say that? I got I got lost in your in your Bridget Jones diary. Uh, just go ahead and go. Okay. So, Wayne was 17 and he too was getting away from Dean. He had moved to Mount Pleasant and attempted to join the Navy. He quickly returned home when his application was rejected due to the fact that he had dropped out of high school. Wayne also said that he knew that he couldn't ever really leave. Dean was looking a little bit too much at his younger brothers who by this point were at that perfect age range Mm -hmm. for Dean Coral. And the last thing that could explain this pause is that Dean sustained a type of injury. According to some records, he had a hydrocyl, which is usually a sack of fluid that can build up, most commonly around a testicle. Usually these are painless, but we don't know if that's exactly what it is or the extent of the injury. Okay. So the murder that we know about happened in February of 1973. What we don't know is anything about the abduction or anything that happened while he was with Dean. What we know is that his remains were found on the beach in Jefferson County, 75 miles away from Houston. Joseph Lyles was a 17-year-old artist. He was actually painting a scene on a window when he disappeared, and that's how his parents knew he didn't run away. The Lyles family also suspected Dean Coral took their son, but sadly those suspicions wouldn't be solidified until 2009. They would have to wait for technology because Joseph's remains were not all intact and the teeth were missing. He was murdered in 1973, wasn't found until the 80s, and at this point was mm, just bones mm-hmm. and the elements and wildlife and everything had taken pieces and parts and dental records couldn't be used there was no hair no clothing nothing to get closure until a dna test was available right oh it's just so sad to think about how many people went either misidentified or unidentified right before that was a thing mm-hmm. so finally dean coral moves to 2020 larimer drive in pasadena texas to the home his father used to own. This was going to be a much more stable place to do the things that Dean liked to do to his victims. It was more secluded and it was in this home that many believed if given more time, Dean would have created his playroom, much like David Parker Ray with his toy box. Mm-hmm. With this reassurance also came some problems because he starts going out of control a little bit. He had what many called a kind of a break with reality. Reports talk about how he developed almost a nervous tick and he started drinking more and smoking cigarettes which were two things that he rarely did and both the boys David and Wayne would talk about how he would pace back and forth telling them I need another boy I need another boy and they both described it as a form of bloodlust so Dean was quickly losing touch with reality he was spiraling very hard at this point sure well in June on June 4th 1973 Dean and Wayne take 
37-year-old William Ray Lawrence, who was last seen by his father walking down 31st Street. Sadly, his father also thought he had just run away. They had physical fights in the past when William, who went by Billy, was caught smoking weed by his father. So on the afternoon of June 4th, when Billy called his dad saying he was going to go fishing for a few days, his dad didn't think anything of it. It's just like, whatever, fine, get Mm -hmm. Go on. Right. Well, (laughs) Dean would end up keeping Willie alive, or Billy alive, for three days in order to try to get his needs under control. He also forced Billy to write a letter to his father. When Billy had to write this letter, it isn't known for sure, but given the content, uh, we assume that Billy knew that he was never coming er, coming home. It read, Dear Daddy, I decided to go to Austin because I got a good job offer. I am sorry that I decided to leave, but I just had to go. P.S. I'll be back in late August. Hope you understand, but I had to go. Daddy, I hope you know I love you. Your son, Billy. Mm-hmm. Sad to think that this was his final goodbye, especially because Dean made Billy suffer unimaginable pain. Yeah. Well, and what teenage boy mm-hmm. that has gotten in physical fights with their father right. would still call them daddy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Billy was raped physically. Billy was raped with dildos. He was shocked. He was forced to give blowjobs. He had pubic hairs plucked out one by one. Ended up with a severely chewed up penis and who knows what else just like all the boys before him just for days yeah well if this one really was the first one coming back from that long break yeah it would be quite a bit oh yeah well finally dean strangled billy with the cord that was still found around his neck he was wrapped in plastic covered in lime and buried out at lake sam rayburn the coral family had a little log cabin out at the lake and so it wasn't uncommon for people to see Dean roaming around there. Nope. The murder of William Ray Lawrence would only last 11 days before Dean would need to kill again. From this point to his death, Dean really loses controls and kills many boys in a very short amount of time. On June 15th, 1973, Dean would take his oldest known victim. 20-year-old Raymond Blackburn, who was both a husband and a father, would end up going missing while he was on his way to go see his newborn child. His remains would be found at Lake Sam Rayburn as well. This is another case that not much information is known, but we know enough about Dean now to kind of fill in the gaps on what happened. Mm -hmm. July 7th, 1973, 15-year-old Homer Lewis Garcia would go missing after telling his mom he was going to go sleep at a friend's house. Wayne had met Homer at a coach's driving school in Bel Air. On July 7th, while on a break, Wayne invited Homer and another kid, Rick Daniels, to come over to Dean's house for a party. Rick wasn't able to get a ride, but Homer did. After Dean had his way with Homer, Wayne would actually be the one to shoot him. However, he didn't die right away. For whatever reasons, Wayne was forced to put Homer in the bathtub and watched him as he slowly bled out. After Wayne and Dean knew he was dead, they bagged him up and put him up at Link Sam Rayburn as well. Mm-hmm. So five days after the death of Homer Garcia, a teen named John Manny Sellers went missing on July 12, 1970. 
1973. There had been questions surrounding his death because while he was bound like the others and Wayne and David led police to his body, some things didn't add up. John was 17, which was the right age for Dean. However, he had been shot three times in the chest with a shotgun, buried fully dressed, and a week later, police found his car burned to the ground. Hmm. Authorities believe that John never made it to the torture board, but maybe stepped up onto a scene and they had to shoot him. He was buried at High Island Beach. So, who knows? Right. It was after John's murder that David marries his girlfriend and moves away. He did tell Dean that he wouldn't be gone too long and, well, he was right. David would return, but with the next three murders, he was absent for. In less than a week, on July 19, 1973, 15-year-old Michael Balk would go missing. Michael was uh, little brother to Billy Balk, who was murdered by Dean, along with his friend Johnny uh, DeLome, just the year before on May 21st, 1972, if you remember from last week's episode. Right. Well, Michael went by Tony and was known to be more of a runaway kid, even though he always returned. Sadly, the police just assumed Tony ran away like Billy the year before. After Dean raped and tortured Tony, he strangled him and buried him at Lake Sam Rayburn as well. To make matters worse, his actual remains were labeled as unidentified and the Balks ended up burying someone else's child on their plot. Another mistake we uh, will get into here in a bit. Yeah. Ugh, so shitty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, on July 25th, 1973, six days after the murder of Tony, 18-year-old Marty Jones and 17-year-old Charles Cobble would be the next set of young men to go missing. A lot of people said that these two were an unlikely set of friends. Charles had been a boy who was riddled with anxiety. He was afraid of everything, and most people just kind of found him annoying. However, the two quickly became best friends friends when they had met. Marty came from a past where he was beaten so badly by his stepfather that it put him into the hospital. Jesus. And, yeah. And Charles was nervous because he spent his whole life watching his mother suffer from an illness that kind of mimicked epilepsy. Hmm. So they could understand each other and they actually shared an apartment. And Charles had also been married, even though two weeks before uh, the two of them went missing, he had separated from his wife, Deborah. They got married when he was 16 and she was just 14, meaning she would be left as a widow before she could even drive. Jesus. Yeah. I just, it's so crazy for me personally to hear throughout all these cases of all these young kids who are engaged or married. Right. Oh, imagine getting married at 16 and 14. Oh my goodness. No. 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 Okay. Sorry. No. Sadly, Marty would have to watch and waiting for his turn. As Charles was beaten, raped, and shot, then it was his turn and, well, he wasn't shot. Mm -mm. Wayne attempted to strangle him and after a few unsuccessful attempts, Dean had to step in and finish, meaning Marty's death was very slow, and when it was over, Wayne buried them both in the boat shed without any help. After the death of Marty and Charles, David returned and would be, would be present for the last known murder that Dean would ever commit. Phew, thank goodness. Right? So on August 3rd, 1973, 13-year-old James Stanton Dramala went missing after leaving the house one night to turn in his bottles for some cash. His mother asked him not for to go what? for some cash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for some cash. <laughs> 
His mother had asked him not to go out that night, but he promised he would be back in just a few minutes. She didn't want him going out because it was already late, but he wanted the cash because he had plans to take his girlfriend to the newest James Bond movie, Live and Let Die. So he's riding his bike in Pasadena, not far from Dean's house. And when the three, being Dean, David, and Wayne, saw James, they stopped to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And Dean handed James, and the parents called him Stanton, uh, some more empty bottles that were inside the van. So after James went into the store, got his money, and came back out, he went to thank Dean. And that's when Dean said, oh, I totally forgot. I have a whole bunch of bags of bottles at our house if you want to just put your bike in the back of the van and come on over. Uh, Well, James was a good kid, and he never missed curfew, was into sports, mowed lawns for money, and just an all-around good young man. He'd even call his dad from Dean's house the night and say that, uh, hey, mind if I stay for a party in Pasadena? His father told him no and to be home in 20 minutes, but that didn't happen. Mm -mm. First, James was mad about being lied to about the bottles, but Wayne and David and Dean got pizza and they all hung out for almost an hour before James was attacked. A report said that his murder was horrendous. In fact, Dean had to wear an apron because of all the blood. James would be strangled and buried in the boat shed. So, 29 victims in three years, basically, is what happens. Right. In 1970, Dean took the lives of three men that we know of. 1971, he took seven. Ten lives were taken in 1972, and another nine in 1973. And those nine, well, minus, okay, so the last eight happened within two months. Right. That is crazy. Right. And most of them were all from the Heights, leaving a huge hole in the heart of countless people and the whole community. Mm-hmm. The next time Dean tried to take a life, the only one that will be lost is his own. So now we can move on to the next phase of the story, and we're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. But first, we need to take a quick break. We do. Because we also forgot to say, with these awesome studio headphones, if you do decide to make a purchase, which I would highly suggest that you do, yeah, it is also, uh, it should also be known, I should say, that they offer free worldwide shipping. Hell yeah. And their shipping is incredibly fast and amazing. fast as all get out. Yeah. So not only are you going to get an excellent set of headphones for a remarkable price, but free shipping? That's everybody's favorite words. Free shipping? Free shipping. (laughs) I love me some free shipping. Yes. It's wonderful. (laughs) That's my favorite. (laughs) Yes. Oh. What? We could also mention that we have merch. We well, I can get to mention it then, for hell's sakes. Oh, shit. <gasps> Tpublic.com. Oh, snap. Yeah, the link is in the show notes. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of designs on there. We are working on making more. Yes, yes. Yes. And yeah, so if you want to get your fap on and represent, there are all sorts of things that you can get from there. Mm-hmm. 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 But for now, let's go ahead and get back into the story and finish it up. <laughs> 
On the night of August 7th, 1973, Wayne invited his friend, 19-year-old Timothy Cordell Curley, to Dean's house to, uh, huff, paint, and drink until around midnight when the pair went to town for some food. They left in Timothy's Volkswagen and went to Wayne, er, yeah, went to Wayne's house, and when they arrived, they found Rhonda Williams there. She left the house in the middle of the night and would come to Wayne's. She would later say it was because of her abusive father and her sister would say Rhonda lied about the real reason she left that night. Either way, the fact is Rhonda and Wayne became close friends and uh, that night when they when all three met up, Wayne invited Rhonda to tag along, something he knew wouldn't make Dean too happy. So, the next thing anyone know, would know is by 8 a.m. on August 8th, 1973, a call is made to 911, a teen stating he had killed a man. The teen's name was Wayne Henley and he was with his friend Rhonda Williams and Tim Curley when Dean Coral tried to kill them. Wayne shot him in self-defense and he needed police to come to 2020 Larimer Drive in Pasadena. Larimer? Larimer. What did I say? L- Lamar Drive? Yeah. Not Larimer. Lamar Lamar Drive. Drive. Oh, see? <laughs> the fuck? I didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> That's when it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so as they waited for police to show up, Timothy would later say that Wayne looked at him and said something along the lines of the fact that if Tim wasn't his friend, he could have got about $1,500 for him, which is something that never sat right with Tim and doesn't really make sense to us knowing that he never got paid after the first one. Mm-hmm. So, what? Right, right. <laughs> uh, p- 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 patrolman. pa 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 Pa, 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 pa. What? <laughs> Quit making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. A.B. <laughs> Jameson was the first to arrive at the scene. He was met with three teens who had been visibly crying, and Wayne retrieved the gun from the porch and just handed it to police. Did you have something you needed to say? Other than I'm just awfully pra, 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 proud of you. <laughs> 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 Can't help it. I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> and by no means am I making fun of oh. anybody with a speech impediment. I'm just being a dick to my wife. Yeah, no, it's so. <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never mind me being an asshole to my bride, but eh, well. I make fun of myself more than anybody. It's <laughs> fine. I would, I would think less of you if you didn't. <laughs> that and we can inappropriately touch each other later and it's completely acceptable that is true i'll just have you make it up to me it's fine (laughs) or or i'll smother you with the pillow when you fall asleep i don't know we'll see whatever we'll see (laughs) this may be his last episode (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first folks (laughs) just kidding breaking news no way no way premeditated will get thrown around too much okay fuck you're screwed now if i ever go missing because this shit's going out oh i know Shit. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
So as police walk into the house, they are met by a ton of horrors. They see rope, they find the torture boards, and they see Dean Coral with six gunshots. Wayne, in the meantime, is telling them that he has so much more to talk about. So much more. Mm -hmm. All the teens were put into custody, and Rhonda was actually spent, or would actually spend a few weeks in juvie at Harris County, completely unaware of everything that was happening from the outside as Wayne is telling them all the stories. She was just stuck in there until yeah, they could guilt figure out. association. Yeah, because she was just there. Mm-hmm. Well, Sergeant David Millicum, or Milliken, excuse me, would be assigned to what would become the biggest case of his career. He talks with Wayne as they go over what exactly happened when Dean was murdered. Wayne picks up where he left off earlier when Timothy, Rhonda, and he returned to the Coral House around 3 a.m. Needless to say, Dean was furious. Furious to see that Wayne brought a girl to his house. Mm -hmm. Never keep a man from his torture toys. Right. They were only supposed to leave for food and come back. He had been waiting all night to do his torture, and now he's going to have to wait even longer. Well, when the three teens came into the house, Dean pulled Wayne inside and proceeded to yell at him about how he had ruined his plans. (laughs) Ruined? The plans are ruined. Another great movie. Yes. If you haven't seen I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, uh, please do so. Anyway. Anyways. Wayne somehow told Dean it would be okay. While Dean was still mad, he allowed the kids to drink until they passed out. A large mistake the three would make. Mm. Oh, shit. I see what you did there. You were a poet. Oh, was I? A large mistake the three would make. Oh, shit. I do not like them. Sam, I am. I do not like green eggs and ham no what you know i'm gonna have to make a dean coral green eggs and ham type story now <laughs> shit you did it it's gonna happen okay incoming incoming but anyway as my lovely bride put it a large mistake <laughs> the three would make <laughs> Oh. In wine and booze, they did partake. Oh my god. Yes. Keep going. (laughs) Don't keep going. (laughs) Just randomly keep going as we go through the story. Just randomly pop off with more rhymings. (laughs) We'll see what we can do. All right, so Wayne told the police that after all three of them had passed out, he woke up on his stomach to Dean throwing cuffs on him, and his mouth had been taped, and his ankles were already bound. Rhonda and Timothy? Timothy? Ron and Timothy were also bound. Reports from Rhonda says that she remembers waking up to to see Dean dragging Wayne into the kitchen, and she could hear them talking. So Wayne went on to say that Dean removed the tape from his mouth, pointed a gun at him, and told him that since he brought a girl here... All three of them were going to have to die. Wayne managed to talk Dean out of killing him by saying that he will kill Rhonda. Dean cut Wayne loose and handed him the gun. Hmm. When returning to the room where Rhonda and Timothy were waking up, Wayne leaned down and told Rhonda it would be okay. Rhonda told Timothy the same thing, but when Dean disappeared with him into the next room, Tim would be, or yeah, Tim would start screaming. From there, Dean, Dean came back out and dragged Rhonda into the room and put her on the board as well. All the while Dean was holding the gun. All the while Wayne was holding the gun. Oh. Just just kidding. Dean took off all of his clothes and ordered Wayne to put the gun down and cut off the girl's clothes and step out of the room. That'd be so weird to watch him just like strip naked completely. Right. Okay. Okay. So when Dean came back into the room, Wayne made the very bold move 
to point the gun at Dean and tell him that he has gone far enough and that Wayne could no longer watch him as he kills all of his friends. And this actually surprised Dean at first. Right. However, Dean was kind of obvious. He wasn't kind of. Dean was an asshole and he also figured that he didn't, he underestimated Wayne and he overestimated maybe his own power mm-hmm. because Dean looked at Wayne and said, you're not going to do anything to me. And those would be his very last words because Wayne fired a shot directly into his forehead. Game fucking over. The hit of the bullet made Dean lunge forward towards Wayne, causing Wayne to fire two shots into the shoulder. And as Dean's turning around because of the two shots, Wayne fires three more shots into his back. Like He made sure that fucker was dead. Yeah, he didn't just kill him. He fucking killed him. He killed him. <laughs> yes, with a T. <laughs> After Dean was dead, Wayne got Timothy and Rhonda off of the torture boards and they decided to call 911. And Dean's body was found naked, crumpled up onto the floor in the hallway, consistent with Wayne's story. Hmm. But as we know, this was the end of Dean's coral. Jesus, Dean Coral's life. What was that? Dean's Coral's. (laughs) You want to make fun of me again? (laughs) Yeah, fuck yeah, I will. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But not the rest of his story. Police had found the van, and uh, in the van was a box that held victims' remains and a lot of other weird torture devices and... All that fun stuff. Yeah, all the stuff that goes with it. Wayne also went on to tell Sergeant Milliken that there was a warehouse full of bodies some point or something that nobody believed at first until wayne started naming off victims from there police went and checked and found each one of the boys wayne named off being filed as missing persons they decided to look into it and cement themselves into true crime history police took wayne with them to southeast boat storage and talked to the owner mamie e minor to get a key for storage number 11 however she tells them that dean kept the copies of all of the keys in fact he was supposed to be getting a- another boat shed here soon so that's a fun piece of information to think about yeah <laughs> But since she didn't have the keys, police were just going to have to break into the building. And once they opened the shed, Milliken remembered that Wayne just went ghost white. Mm -hmm. So they knew that they were going to find something in there. Right. Well, the shed was 12 feet wide and 34 feet deep. And inside had the body of an old rusted out car, sacks of lime, mounds of fresh dirt, shoes, bikes, and other clothing. Authorities brought in four prison inmates and they started to dig. They would only get about six inches down before they uncover the first body, which just so happened to be Dean's last victim, uh, James Dramala. News had already leaked about the murder of Dean Coral and the possibility of many victims buried in the boat shed. Some reporters were already on scene, and after the first body was found, Wayne asked to call his mom. The same phone call that you hear at the very beginning of part one. Right. So Wayne continues to spill the beans about everything. And he would say, this is a direct quote, I desired that the entire incident be over with and the only way to completely end it was to give up all the information. It took me way too long to figure out how to get out of it. But once I made that step, I wanted all the way out. End quote. This is something that David Brooks didn't fully agree with. In fact, he would only come in and talk to police after his father made him. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. 
As soon as his father found out that Dean Coral was dead, shot by Wayne in an act of apparent self-defense, he made David come down and tell them everything he may know about his friends, Dean and Wayne. Now, with both David and Wayne talking, semi, they were uncovering the gruesome truth about Dean Coral and all the missing boys from the Heights. Hmm. All of which would have been backed up as they, as the day wore on, more and more bodies came out of the boat shed. The mood would shift to an even sadder one when they uncovered the... 10th body and realized that it was the nephew to one of their own detectives. Mm-hmm. The more they dug, the worse it got, and they eventually took out 17 bodies. They were waist deep in decomp. The smell, uh, yeah, the smell, according to the book by Jack Rosewood called Dean Coral the True Crime of the Houston Mass Murderers, made McMullen stop eating his food in the middle of an interview. One can imagine how many bodies in a big boat shed in the middle of summer would smell. Yeah, especially in Texas. Right. But right. Well, <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas, right? <laughs> Except for Alaska. <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. I got distracted. My stomach growled. Ah. <laughs> I could hear it through the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne always told them that there was two more bodies in the location, but authorities would never pull out the 18th and 19th victim from that boat shed. Yeah. Hmm. So, Wayne and David would then lead authorities to the six bodies in the woods at Lake Sam Rayburn, and in the cabin that Dean's family rented, police would find rope, plastic wrap, and gloves. Another four bodies were found on the high island beach, and four more on the beach near Galveston. Uh, yes. This totaled 27 bodies, the most in U.S. history. Now, maybe due to the pressure from the state, or for whatever reason, police stopped looking after this. Much later, in 2010, a man named Skip Hollinsworth looked into the case and talked with some detectives who had since retired, and these detectives said that they were told by their superiors that they had to stop looking for any more bodies, stop looking into the case, uh, you're done. Which seems weird. Yeah. Why would you do that? Well, yeah, because it's not like, oh, well, I mean, we have enough to really convict him. No. Motherfucker, you had enough to really convict him after one. Yeah. Well, and he's, If you're being told that there's two more in there. He's dead, and Wayne hasn't lied to them yet. once when it came to finding anybody. Right. So if he's insisting that more people are somewhere, and it is kind of your job, Job. Uh, not kind of. It is. Yeah. I was being super <laughs> sarcastic. <laughs> right. You get paid to go and look for these kind of things. Right. So my little brain immediately likes to jump to a conspiracy theory because that's fun for me. And if he was part of a maybe a sex ring or some people believe that maybe Dean didn't do it by himself, that he had other people with him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Besides David and Wayne? Yeah. Hmm. Adults. Hmm. That also partook potentially well if that's the case then i mean the whole never looked into never investigated gay sex ring yeah kind of I mean, makes sense but it just seems weird that you would just stop looking oh yeah just out of nowhere and they don't really have an excuse or maybe they just felt that since i mean once they hit 27 and they made record for highest number of victims by a serial killer they were just like you know what we just need to be done now we just right. I can't handle this anymore yeah. maybe I don't know to make it even worse as all of this is unfolding on the news every day people are naturally glued to their screens you right. know 
many families watched, and this is how they found out that their kids were potentially uh, some <laughs> of the victims. <laughs> oh, God. Only five of the victim's family members were told by police, hey, Wayne has named your child as a missing person. We've uncovered these bodies. We need you to come and, you know, see. Yeah. Only five. The rest of them found out on the evening news with everybody else as their kid's name were, was rolled off on TV. Jesus Christ. No warning, no notice beforehand by the police. I would be pissed. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, this right here, this right here even proves that back in the 70s, what Denzel Washington said last year holds true. Mm-hmm. Holds true. The news doesn't give a shit. The news doesn't care. They just want to be first. Mm-hmm. They don't care if it's truth. They don't care if it's fairy tale. They don't care if it's complete and utter bullshit. They just want to be the first to get it out there. They don't care. They're not going to be held accountable. They're not going to be held responsible because, well, it's news. Well, yeah. Well, not only that, fuck are the police not telling these people first, too? They've decided to tell media before family members. Yep. I want to stab them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well. Because yeah. I get it. It is, it is true. I don't, you can't trust... Even when it comes to researching and stuff, you can't just read the first. No, you gotta thing go. You, see. you gotta dig through the bullshit to find the actual substance of the matter. Oh yeah, there's there's but, so much bullshit. Well, our little rant just tied right into this next paragraph, and that paragraph states this: the finger pointing starting. Finger pointing started and many looked at the police. We know that the resources were low and that there wasn't much evidence and that the number of runaways was very, very high to begin with. Around a million kids went missing and almost all of them would return home so police never really thought much about it. However, with that said, there are some things that the Houston police chief said that we don't agree with. One quote is, the area that most of this person came from is not one of the highest crime incident areas at all. We could have no way of seeing in a period of a, a period of time of three years or more anything to indicate a pattern. We don't always have, yeah, we don't have responsibility by law nor the authority to make criminal cases out of runaways. Can you not? Um, you can't draw a pattern looking in three years of things? Yeah, three years, damn near 30 kids between 12 and 20 disappearing, all of them um, of similar stature, similar background, similar, similar look. Same ages, parents being like, yeah, parents our kids screaming. just went missing not too long after these other kids went missing. We know that they're not runaways. Right. Them naming people like David Brooks, Wayne Henley. Right. And Dean Coral. If they would have looked into Mrs. Hillegeist when she talked about the car, the license plate, mm-hmm. they would have ran that. They would have found Dean Coral. Tell me you can't find a fucking timeline in there. Right. There's they, no way. They had his license plate. Yeah. They had his license plate. To his car. Yeah. There were reports that were saying, David shot my kid with a BB gun once, or David threatened to kill my kid once. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> right. With that, Herman Short. Who the fuck is Herman Short? Because this dude's an asshole. That cop. Yeah. That hey, police Herman, chief. you're still around? I'm calling you an asshole and a sack <laughs> of shit. Mm-hmm. And I hope you get fucking butt herpes. So mean. But Herman Short would go on and almost blame parents, stating that, you know, many lie as to the reasons that their kids run away, saying that parents don't take responsibility in disciplining or raising their own children. Um. Fuck you, Herman. Okay, one, he's saying this after all of these victims have been found. Murdered. Clearly, they didn't fucking run away. I don't know. So, maybe if you're trying to address runaway cases, yeah. you should do that separately. Bad fucking timing. Right. Ugh. Right. Ugh. Well, here's another thing that our lovely little friend Herman would do. Another thing Herman Short did was he sent a raid on gay bars. He ordered officers to keep extra eyes out since Dean's murders were uh, homosexual in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they, well, there was homosexual acts involved in it by all means. However, that was predatorial by nature. Right. It kind of reminds me back of Snowtown again. Uh-huh. There is a fucking difference, you daft cunt. <laughs> right. Ugh. But yes, they were homosexual in nature and uh, they started to treat everyone in the community as child molesters and killers. Well, people from all over started to panic, calling for nightly cur- nightly curfews despite the fact that almost all of the teens were lured away during daylight hours. Mm-hmm. One legislator from California demanded a book to be banned from schools because it was found in Dean Corll's house. The book Human Sexuality was written by a college psychology professor James Leslie McCarty or Mc- McCary, excuse me, and it was the first book to j- suggest homosexuality wasn't abnormal behavior. The legislature, how our legislator, however, fought saying that if people think isn't abnormal behavior to try to tell that to the family of the 27 victims. Yeah. Well, um, I don't mean to be an asshole by saying this, but weird. A dude from California wanting to ban a book. But how could that guy? It just seems weird to me that how you can't. People were just so stupid. Makes so, no sense. It's so stupid. You're going to ban a book because it says that homosexuality isn't necessarily abnormal behavior and you're going to try to compare it to Dean Coral who raped, tortured, and murdered teen boys. That has nothing, not one motherfucking thing to do. Uh-huh. Well, and that's the deal is I want to I want to see any proof that any one of the 27 boys were gay. Mm-hmm. I want to see if- proof that any one and of even them. if they were even, let's say every single one of them were doesn't fucking matter nope it doesn't make a rat's ass because, because they were, they were all preyed upon yeah every course. one of them was preyed upon they were kids uh-huh uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Oh, God. So, victims' families were mad at everyone, and rightfully so. I'm mad at everybody. Mm-hmm. They were mad at the police for never listening to them. They were mad at David and Wayne for luring children. And they were especially mad because they watched them on TV and they were acting normal. You oh. know, the kids didn't seem, you know, the the victims' family and society didn't think that they were acting appropriately how they should, given the severity of the situation. 
situation. But the- well, let's see. One of them had been a victim of Dean's, mm-hmm. just not killed. Mm-hmm. The other one was moments away from being a victim of Dean's when he killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, for the last three years, they helped him kill numerous boys. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. There is such thing as desensitizing. Oh yeah, there absolutely is such thing as desensitizing. And if you if you've been around something so long that it just becomes old hat. Oh yeah, people complain about about medical or you know all sorts of fields all the time mm-hmm. that they just kind of turn off. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have to right. That very easily could have been a case in this situation. Well, and 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 realistically, I mean, after three years, it, what is the saying? If you do something seven times, it becomes habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're a ways past it by like, oh yeah, 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know what lot. I mean? Well, and another another way to look at it is too, in a lot of ways, David and Wayne were also victims. David Very was, much so. David was groomed from a young age. Wayne was manipulated and used. And I could imagine that after that was finally over and they knew that Dean couldn't control them anymore. And couldn't come after them anymore. And, and couldn't come after him and Wayne is shouting to everybody saying here 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 mm-hmm. you know there has to be a moment probably one of the only moments in his life where he felt a little bit of peace oh there's no question he has to yeah so he has to he wow. has to sit back and be like well shit I just traded one prison for another prison but <sighs> At least it's done. I can I can handle this other prison, mm-hmm. but that other prison, mm-hmm. you know, I. So I get why people would be upset looking at these kids being like, "How the fuck could they be so just chipper, just on the beach? They're not even in handcuffs." Well, you know? and, and that's the deal is is I guarantee you it wasn't just Barney, Fife, and David down on the beach looking. You know what I mean? Right. It, it was multiple police officers and a guy. So okay. If if he is actively spilling the beans and taking you to places and showing you exactly in those places mm-hmm. and helping you to the nth degree. And not even shying away from his roles that he played in it. Right. If he is coughing up all the details, I, mean, I, I can see why the cops would be like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, you're in our custody, but I mean... We will grant you some civil liberties, I guess. Right. Well, and I mean, Wayne was, he was 17. He's a kid. Yeah. You know, like he's unleashing everything. He's not going to go anywhere. He's trying to help show people. So, you know, the police could kind of cut him a little bit of a break. Oh, no. Yeah. And I know that's what you're saying. Absolutely. Is he he was not a flight risk right exactly (laughs) exactly and you know i i totally get why everybody would be mad at them sure i still get mad at them you know and i'm not even that close so i can i can definitely understand right And they would also be mad at the press, saying that they're just out there just trying to get a story. They don't give a fuck about the victims' families. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. And another sad part is that they have these family members have to relive that pain over and over, over and over and over, and trying to positively identify their own 
kids mm-hmm. would be almost impossible. Oh, yeah. Well, and speaking of that, some of these people were fortunate enough to get identifications through dental records, but, well, they didn't have fingerprints or anything left to identify who was who, so parents yeah. picked out their kids by the clothings that they were, the clothing that they were found with. Or in the case of uh, James Jamala, they were able to pull a fingerprint off of his school book and match it to his remains. The blotches who lost both sons in the span of a year to the same monster, they had to stare at pictures of jawbones, teeth, and skulls to find what was theirs. Many of the bones had spilled out of the bags and over time mixed with other bones. Mixed with frustration and pressure to get everyone identified quickly, it, well, is a perfect storm for a disaster. So some other things to note is that David never really confessed to his roles in the killings. He admit that he helped bring his friends, but he never killed anybody. He did tell police that Wayne loved to kill and that he was just as bad as Dean. Like, he's putting it all on Wayne. Uh, And Wayne would tell police how David lived off of Dean, but Wayne was more made to work. And he also called out David saying that he needs to fess up to everything that happened and everything that he did because David was around for 11 murders before Wayne was even there. Mm -hmm. So either way, like you, you fucking knew. Like, don't try to be like you are somehow better. No. Right. Stop it. Well, and we also know that Dean Coral blended into society really well. And quite a few people struggled with the knowledge of him being America's worst serial killer in history for that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and once the news hit, Mary, Dean's mom, immediately rushed to her son's defense. In fact, she would uh, proclaim his innocence until her death, and she even placed all the blame on Wayne and David. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. But she would say how there was no way her son was a sex maniac or a sadist, and anyone that knew him wouldn't believe these accusations. She said in a newsletter, quote, My heart is heavy with sorrow, not only for the loss of my son but also the loss of all the boys and people whose lives they touched to david and wayne you can have the best defense lawyers the world can offer but your best defense is god you can lie plan and plant evidence and shift the blame to one who cannot defend himself but you surely know that your days are numbered whether it's behind bars or walking the streets we are not concerned with your souls if you know where to find the bodies of these children you have or you have the list of names please set the anxious parents hearts to ease and see how much better you feel the truth shall set you free this bitch this motherfucking bitch i can't even be nice about her right now uh-uh I'm lady you were warned and told numerous times before you fucking scattered ass to colorado so and please tell me where they would have had time to plan and plant evidence from the time wayne shot Dean yeah. to when they uncovered everything. Yeah. He went out to the lake. He went out to Sam Rayburn and planted all that evidence in the cabin. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had the van. He has the past of knowing to be inappropriate to kids. He was making, or he was sucking off David when David was like 15. 12. Yeah. 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 Right. Listen, Linda. <laughs> Listen, Linda. You full of shit. Right. <laughs> 
I can't. Uh, to try to turn around and like blame it on everybody else. No wonder. No wonder Dean's little brother Stanley was like, I want nothing to fucking do with any of this. Leave me alone. Right. Dean was a grown man. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. No big deal. Mm-hmm. He's a grown man. I guarantee you this. At 40 years old, if I fuck up royally, don't think for one second Mama Hammond's not going to come down and be like, <coughs> really? Mm-hmm really you know what i mean mm-hmm. so even with that said like i get i get the fact of her wanting to protect her kid i understand that wholeheartedly i, I think understand she wanted that. to protect herself right and i understand that as well mm-hmm. but let's be real here i mean it's a good thing to back your kids it's a good thing to stand up for your kids it's a good thing to support your kids it's a good thing to try to deny that your kids are ever going to do anything wrong mm-hmm. however when undeniable truth is placed at your feet Mm -hmm. as unbelievable as it may be you still have to look at that and go hmm shit Mm -hmm. you know i mean there's there's no way around it Mm -mm. well and i mean somebody please explain to me how wayne and david could have been killing all those boys by themselves stranger things have happened oh i know but they're they were young they were young kids who i don't feel could have had that sort of coordination that young to get away with it i i hear what you're saying yeah I, I absolutely. i'm not saying that it's not possible no, right it, it very much is but i mean really really are we gonna look at all of it <laughs> right and try to still be like yeah dean coral was the victim too no i mean come on no and his girlfriend his girlfriend was the same way she didn't believe that he was she couldn't wrap her head around that you know which it's just because the when you find out if you were to find out that somebody that close to you was a serial killer and that kind of a serial killer of course it's gonna be hard oh dude and of course you're gonna want to be like no 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 (laughs) right so but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen just because you don't want it doesn't mean that you can deny the evidence (laughs) you know absolutely so while his mother and girlfriend refused to believe that he was even gay let alone anybody anything else uh, some of his friends stepped forward and they kind of had a feeling that something was always up mm-hmm. proving that you only know as much about a person as they're gonna allow you to know right like you can think that you know a person right you don't know a person <laughs> according to some dean was always very concerned about his looks he was always wondering if he was a attractive if he looked young enough and he always needed compliments right and a friend by the name of guy which we found in the book by jack rosewood that you had mentioned earlier said how him and dean were actually really close friends but he always knew he had a walled off part in his life Mm -hmm. and guy never pried He, he knew that that was a that was a wall and he avoided it oh sure and he also knew that dean had younger friends but dean he never tried to mix those friends together. He kept them very separate. Sure. And he also refused to let Guy into his bedroom, saying, you'll never see the, you'll never see in there. Okay. So. so, when I first moved to Utah, I was buddies with a guy that, uh, man, we had a large time. We drank a lot of booze. We chased a lot of trim. Mm-hmm. We, we had a lot of fun. He had one room 
in his place under no certain terms was anyone allowed to go in there mm-hmm. not for nothing mm-hmm. not for nothing and one day i showed up over at his place and the door and the door was always locked and it had literally had multiple locks on the door the door was unlocked and the door was open the only thing that was in there was a foot locker hmm. in the middle of the room okay was a foot locker and i was like huh <laughs> You're right. huh okay that is weird yeah so and we we spent a lot of time together i thought i knew who he was blah 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 make a really long story short boy howdy did that go to hell in a handbasket and yeah he tried to throw me under the bus for his transgressions <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't end very well for him i can imagine <laughs> but anyways so another story came from co-workers who remembered one time when they were talking about killings and how how could anyone sleep at night after so many and dean said something along along the lines of after the first four it's not as bad Mm -hmm. um what yeah so what's funny is the last few days quinn and i have we kind of had a conversation about it because we were we're excited about the equalizer too oh yeah oh god yes and there's a pre there in the trailer he says something and he's being completely le- like, like serious yeah so he's he's at like what would be a block party or a cul-de-sac party or yeah barbecue uh, whatever uh, yeah some kind of a par- barbecue and there's a boatload of people around right and this guy leans in and goes hey man so what do you do for work and he looks up at him and he goes well i'm a highly paid government contract killer and uh well i'm not supposed to talk about that so shh the guy looks at him for a second and starts laughing and goes, <laughs> no, nah, man, for real. It's like, that's funny, but what do you do for a living? And Ember and I looked at each other and went, how many times have we talked to people and we've asked them something similar to that and they've told us some fucked up sideways shit and we've laughed at him and gone no really like no that's funny reals, ha, ha, ha. like what, Wait, do you, what, what do you do were they feeding you a line of horse shit or did they actually really tell you what they did and you just didn't want to accept it right like how many times have people have told you the truth and it's hard because there's sometimes where i'll make up some bullshit just because i think it's funny <laughs> so i mean 50 50 right <laughs> it's a coin <laughs> Right. Well, in the end, when Dean Coral was buried, only 40 people attended his service that lasted a grand total of 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. He did have a flag over his casket for the time in the military, all 10 months. All 10 months that he had to do yeah, it. Yeah. He had to leave. Those nuts aren't going to sling themselves. <laughs> yeah. And sling him right into his mouth. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. God. Too soon? Jesus. No, no. It's been 40 years. You're good. <laughs> but at the end i mean that was it that was the that was ta-da ta-da that's it so the grand jury handed down six murder charges to wayne based on his confessions and four to david they had also decided that they would be tried separately Hmm. wayne's trial would start july 9th 1974 with his defense attorney charles medler and they had ruled dean coral's death as an act of self-defense however wayne had to face other charges the day the death of frank anthony a 
McGuire, Homer L. Garcia, Charles Gary Cobble, Marty Ray Jones, William Ray Lawrence, and Johnny DeLome. This was, or it was one of the largest trials in history to date and everyone everyone wanted to be there. During the trial, Wayne was caught doing some things that the jury found to be odd. He was playing with one of the handcuffs on the torture board when it was brought out and on recess he was chatting with people casually and he had even picked up some evidence and was examining examining it. Hmm. <laughs> District Attorney Carol Vance would bring in 25 witnesses, 82 pieces of evidence, and the wooden box from the van. And trial would only take a week to go over all of it and jury took 90 minutes before coming back with a guilty verdict. However, due to some of the jury getting calls from the press during the trial, he was granted a new one. The new trial began in 1979, but he was still found guilty and sentenced to 99 years and he's serving at the Mark W. Michael Unit in Anderson County, Texas. Okay. So, David Brooks' trial would begin in 1975 and he would be indicted for four murders. <clears throat> he was only charged with one. Defense tried to say that he that they weren't sure if he would even get a fair trial due to the fact that David had confessed before uh, his Miranda rights were read because his dad forced him to go. His attorney, Jim Skelton, would try to argue that he didn't kill anyone and he would try to make it look like Henley and Coral were the masterminds. Assistant District Attorney Tommy Dunn would quickly shoot down this saying this defendant was in on the killing, this murderous rampage from the very beginning he tells you he was a cheerleader if nothing else that's what he's telling you about his presence you know he was in on it well fuck yeah right after jury deliberated he was found guilty for the murder of william lawrence and charged to life in prison Mm -hmm. okay so one gets life one gets 99 years um one gets 99 years he's almost 20 years old Mm -hmm. fucking life in prison Mm -hmm. that's one thing i do not understand you have received seven life sentences and 240 years and four months fucking what what (laughs) what yeah I, i know that there's a reason that they do it that way right but i can't remember why right now so it has to do with parole bullshit and stuff like that right but i don't think i don't think that the charges are very fair really i mean if we're gonna if we're gonna charge these boys let's fucking charge them david was there for all but like three well maybe like five right counting the ones that neither one of them were there right david was there he lured them there Mm -hmm. without david those specific boys may not have ever been chosen right so you should get charged with assist i guess i don't know something right for all of them he definitely should have had more than wayne then yeah granted wayne was forced to help kill no he was taught to kill Uh, i was gonna say uh, Mm -hmm. yeah the first couple he may have been more yeah the first couple he was pushed into and he was coerced into and or forced into and then after that you kind of have to right but one doesn't accidentally shoot someone in the mouth while waving a grant or waving a gun around all willy-nilly i mean unless you're just stupid and you put your finger in the trigger we know lots of people that are trained professionally and still are done with guns If you're listening to this, those are some mighty fine glass doors you got in the back of your house, sir. 
<laughs> oh no, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Anyways, so every 18 months since 1979, either David Brooks or Wayne Henley has been up for parole. James, Dramala's parents, are the only remaining surviving parents, and they've been at every single parole hearing over the past four decades. Good. Their life is keeping David and Wayne behind bars forever. Good. They bring t- pictures and they retell their story, not just for their son, but for all the boys who died. They get a few months break before having to redo it all over again. Both Wayne and David have been up for parole 21 times since they were convicted back in 1979. 21 times they would have to relive those moments. James's father still can't even speak about his son's death without breaking down. He would say, quote, I just cannot bear the thought of these guys being released. I just cannot bear it. They do fear that once they pass away, Wayne and David may be released. However, by most recent accounts, both of them have been denied. Yeah. Well, and I think that they're trying to do things now where there's more time between parole hearings. Mm -hmm. So, I think they're going now for five years in between versus 18 months. Sure. So, going back to the mistakes with the victims remains happened after the DNA testing became a wild used practice. Uh, Jerry and Donald Waldrop, the brothers who had to fight each other, Mm -hmm. they were buried in Atlanta when in 2009 they found, the Waldrop family found out that they didn't have their sons at all. They had actually buried David Hillgeist and Gregory Malley Winkle. And they were expected to pay for the exhuming and the reburial of the remains. No shit. Alright. Eventually a funeral home paid for the expenses so all three families could have have their children where they needed them to be. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Mark Scott's family had his remains cremated, but when forensics when forensics tested a bone that they kept from the body they labeled as Mark Scott in 2009, they found out that it wasn't Mark at all. It was Stephen Sickman. Wayne said Mark was at High Island Beach, and every day after that his father would go and dig at the beach, hoping to find his son remains again. Mm-hmm. For the Sickmans, however, they finally had closure after so many years because they were the family that called and the police just hung up on him. Right. But, uh Right. As far as the Scott's family goes, because they that's the one that they've never found. Mm-hmm. So they thought that they had closure, and then they didn't. Right. Well, another issue came in 2010 when the Block family was informed that they, they only had one of their children buried. Billy was correctly identified, but the grave they thought was Tony's, Michael Anthony, actually contained Roy Button's remains. Tony was still in the morgue labeled as identified as unidentified boy Mm -hmm. so like this is how i look at this is i'm truly truly grateful for modern technology oh yeah because dna and science and all of that fun stuff i mean that's really really good but think about these parents that here's your son 20 years later (laughs) haha just kidding sorry Mm -hmm. oops for 20 years you had closure Mm -hmm. for 20 years you had the the chance to make peace and then it gets rattled again Mm -hmm. for 20 years you because people visit graves all the time Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so some things afterwards is that wayne henley actually sells artwork or he sold i don't know as far as 2018 if he's still doing it and he even had a few art shows in the 90s and he gave a 
man Joshua Allen Vargas permission to come and visit him every weekend for a year. Josh was interviewing him and Rhonda Williams to make a movie called, quote, In the Madman's World. Okay. And David Brooks refused all interviews after he made his confession. Like, after the confessions and the trial, he's shut up. Okay. And he won't talk to anybody. Okay. And Wayne also let Joshua have all of his belongings that his mother had put on a bus after his arrest. Hmm. With this, they would actually stumble on a photo of an unknown boy cuffed to Dean's torture board, something police never looked at. In fact, police never even searched his room after his arrest. And this photograph is still circulating the internet because the boy in the photo has never been identified and they they have no idea where this kid is. They don't know if he's alive, if he was dead, but mm-hmm. this also gives more credit to the story talking about the sex ring and how all the boys were photographed and how in that unrelated uh, case in California they found 11 of Dean's victims, 11 of photos of them mm-hmm. in California. Right. So oh, where's no. the rest of all the photos? Right. Absolutely. That's yeah, just crazy. And the movie uh, still has not been released. I don't know if it ever will be. Mm-hmm. I would like it to, but... Right. I would too, but... Mm. Well, Henley and Williams stay in contact to this day. Sadly, Tim Carey... <clears throat> Curly? Huh? Curly? Excuse me. Tim Curley was always conflicted with Wayne. He finally spoke up around the time Rhonda Williams stepped out with her story, nearly 40 years later. He only shared his story in honor of the guys that couldn't. One thing he said about Wayne was this, quote, There was a battle going on of good versus evil in that room, and good won. Mm -hmm. He also talked about how he wouldn't know if he would thank Wayne or punch him if he ever saw him again. Not too long after this, or after his interview, Timothy Curley would pass away in 2009. Articles have conflicting stories on how he passed. Some say heart disease, some say alcoholism, some say that he took his own life. Who knows? And it is hard because he was quiet for so long and then he Mm -hmm. stepped out not too long after that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was even, it was within a year. Right. Yeah. So, some other possible connections to other cases, potential other, not other cases, but to potentially other victims. So, a total of 44 boys were reporting missing in the Heights area during the time Dean Coral was doing all of his killing. Okay. So, 29 out of those 44, well, almost 29. Right. Came from Dean. So a lot of people right. wonder. That's that's 15 unaccounted for boys. Yeah. Not to mention all the others who were reporting in surrounded areas even before 1970. And while they were digging the last found victims, which were Marty Jones and Charles Cobb, Cobble, they found... Charles a, who? Charles Cobble. That's wrong. That's, oh, okay. Um, They found an isolated arm bone and a pelvis in the same spot. None of these bones match any of the DNA to any of the other remains, meaning it could be another victim that David and Wayne never knew about. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, in January of 73, when there was a small downtime between the murders, the three were suspected of being responsible for the disappearance of a 16-year-old Norman Lamar Pratter. He had moved to Dallas for school, but still visited the Heights on weekends and actually had gone to school with Wayne at one time. He was never seen again. Mm Mm-hmm. In March 73, the same time Dean was moving to Pasadena and when 
There was a gap in the known murders. A couple reported seeing people burying what looked like a body in Galveston County. In May of 73, more people noticed three men digging at the beach, later identified Brooks being one of them. This sighting, again, never investigated by the Houston Police Department. Yeah, so all of those happened in that time between November of 72 and June of 73. Mm Mm-hmm. When there was supposed downtime. Right. They had all these reports and police never looked into it. Mm. The other thing that always makes me wonder is the two that are suspected to still be in the boat shed. Mm -hmm. If they're still there, like what? Is it still a boat shed? What are they doing with that now? Right. Like there's two bodies under there. You're not going to go and find them. Right. I I get what you're saying. I hear exactly what you're Ugh. saying. But why you know to find the bodies? Right. And just it it makes me sad because mm-hmm. we'll never this is one of the reasons why I've had such a love hate with this case forever is we'll never we'll never know all the answers. Oh no. And it's like that with almost any case. Well, and that's a deal. Is this entire case this entire case is hearsay. Mm-hmm. All this case, this is taking someone's word for it. That none of this is of Dean's accord. Right. You know, and not like that's gonna make that much of a difference, but could it? Right. Absolutely it could, but... I would have liked him around just to know more information. Oh, and that's what I'm getting at, you know? Sorry for fucking sitting there and... But... That's what I'm saying is, is we're, for all intents and purposes, we're taking Wayne's side and David's side and smashing them together. Mm -hmm. Mixing it with the evidence. Oh yeah, mixing in the evidence, throwing Dean in there a whole bunch of times, but just what we know of Dean, not actually from Dean. Mm -hmm. And we get this story and we put it together in our way and spit it out to you guys. Mm -hmm. So could this... Could this be 90% of the story? Yep. Could this be 100% of the story? I don't think so. Yeah. But, yeah, it could be. Could this only be 30% of the story? Absolutely. Very much so. Absolutely. Well, they suspected that one of the victims may have been a former accomplice. Uh So that means that there would have been one before Wayne, maybe before David. Mm -hmm. You know, Dean also said that he had killed somebody in California. Then you had the case that kind of matches up that way right you know we and we know that dean was doing stuff even without the boys around so we'll we'll never know Mm -hmm. and it frustrates me because i want to know all the things oh no i i I hear exactly what you're Mm -hmm. saying i want to know more well and and wayne even admitted later especially when he was talking to joshua the the guy that was making that movie Mm -hmm. is that he did he learned to like to kill you know he would at the beginning you know of course he didn't he didn't like it but then he would start to try to lie to comfort himself to say that you know all these kids are just dope heads or oh they're whatever nobody's gonna miss them and he became desensitized and once once he started seeing that as he looked at himself in the mirror he became disgusted with himself and that was the reason why he finally decided to take out Dean which is something that 
both the boys said that they had planned to do, and that explains why he immediately just gave up everything. He mm-hmm. didn't care where it was going to take him from there. Right. You know, and, and maybe maybe that's the biggest ploy of all. Maybe he's just feeding everybody a line of bullshit, too. I don't know. Right. Oh, no. I, that's I, the one beautiful thing is you just, you don't know. Sure. But um, when we were going over the end of this case, too, when we were talking about one of Dean's friends who said that he had, he knew that his friend had, like, walled off parts mm-hmm. of him, mm-hmm. it made me wonder, like, could you be friends with a serial killer? Saying that you know that there's some that they do something bad, but you may not know what it is, could you still be their friend? Because it's not like a serial killer is a serial killer all the time. Oh, they still like to do things. They like to go to movies and you know they have favorite colors and foods and they like to laugh and joke around as well well maybe not all of them (laughs) but it just makes it makes somebody wonder like could you be friends with a serial killer i don't know well and and if you're putting it that way and you you know that they're slightly off but you don't know what it is that makes them slightly off but and you don't cry yeah for the most part they're pretty damn good people and they're easy to get along with and and you have a good time when you're around them Mm mm-hmm I could easily be friends with a serial killer. Oh, yeah, me too. That's easily. one shitty thing. <laughs> not shitty. It's one, like, because I'm I'm like that with people. If there's something with them that they're not going to talk about, I'm not going to pry. Well, and, and that's the deal is I'm the type of person that when I meet somebody and I get to know somebody and stuff like that, I want to know more about them. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to... Uh, I'm the type of person, if I come up and I'm like, hey, man, I'm Quinn. Oh, hey, I'm so-and-so. Sweet. So, like, what are you into? Oh, I like hunting. I like fish. And I like hot rods. I, you know, stuff like that. Dude, all right, cool. Yeah, we got common interests. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. Sweet. I'm probably going to like the guy. But if I walk up to the guy and he goes, well, in 1974, I was born. And by 1973, I was doing my dissertation on Shakespeare. And A year blah, before blah, blah. you were born? Uh, that's fancy. But, okay. No, I know what you yeah. mean. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And they they go into a full heavy duty outline and three hours later, they finally take a breath and you know exactly what they had and how many bites of what they had for Mm -hmm. dinner the night before. Mm -hmm. Like, cool story, bro. Um, That guy's fucking weird. I'm out of here because... Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, no, I'm the same way. So there's if if there's if there's something mysterious about somebody that that intrigues me and it's one of those deals <laughs> Starship Troopers, would you like to know more? Mm-hmm. I would like to know more. I would. But when you're ready to tell me, cool. If you don't want to tell me, cool. Yeah, same same way. I'm and I'm not a good friend that way either cuz if a friend is upset or even crying, I'll be like, "Oh, our doggy is dreaming." I'll do that whole there there thing. <laughs> right but i mean i with won't a 10 meter stick <laughs> yeah with the broom at the end just like ugh. Oh, stop God. stop that's why i won't ask right i won't ask what's wrong occasionally it, it depends i might be like what's up you okay and <laughs> if people tell me then okay but if not i don't care right. like and so <laughs> it's so bad so i could easily be friends with a serial killer because if they just had parts of their life that they didn't talk about i could be like oh okay anyways so oh, about that show oh absolutely but now if i if i sat down and you know we were 
we're having a conversation and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, yeah, you know, I like muscle cars. I like hunting. I like fishing. I like camping. I blah, 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 blah. I've killed 27 people. Fucking wait, what? Mm-hmm. Now, now what? let's put a twist on it. What if a friend that you had known for a while finally comes to you and says that they have they have killed somebody or that they were a serial killer? And let's say it was in a in a way of whatever fucked up position that you could understand why the, why they were killing whoever they were killing. Could you still be friends with them? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Would you turn them in? Oh, it's so deep. So many deep questions. And we're asking you guys all oh, this as well. By all means, yes, we're asking the listeners. Um, here's where my hypocritical side falls. It depends. Oh no, I get that completely. It totally depends. Now, if they were if they were solely going after guaranteed died in the wool, no questions asked, certified kid touchers. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking the ones that dude was 18, she was 16, mom and dad got a case of the red ass, got no, it for no, statutory no, no. rape. No, that that's fucking bullshit. That's horseshit on the parents. Anyways, I I don't even I'm not even gonna fucking go down that road. But I'm talking about twenty something, five something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if you know if that friend came and was saying I take out people that I find that are in these sex rings, these child sex rings. Fucking game over, dude. I'd be like, cool. You want to come I over later up? for some meatloaf? <laughs> like, we'll watch the new movie. <laughs> right. You can tell me, but or you cannot. It's fine. I'll keep your secrets. Right. You know. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And that's so weird. That's so weird to think that you, that that could, I don't, I don't know. There's a part of me that's, that would say, yeah, I'd be okay with it and I could still do it because I'm not in that situation. Sure. But knowing that, having that on my own conscious all the time, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It would definitely depend. But then that's hypocritical too. <laughs> oh no. And that's the deal is I'm not going to sit here and try to lie to you guys and tell you that I'm not a hypocrite. And anybody that says that they're not a hypocrite is full of shit. Is being a hypocrite (laughs) they're full of shit (laughs) being a liar face right because everybody i don't give a flying rats as who the hell you are everybody has that one thing that one thing that falls them into that category whether they'll admit it or not Mm -hmm. but there's that one thing i have multiple things that falls me into that category Mm -hmm. and i'm okay with it i'm absolutely okay with it right but i still have my limits i still have my lines oh yeah well and uh, then that's just the thing is like drawing on the line and I think that anybody that says there's no possible way that they could be friends with a serial killer or something like that is also lying. Oh, they're full of fucking shit. Because especially if you don't know dude's a serial killer, mm-hmm. but you're friends with them. If you don't ha- mm-hmm. listen to what you're saying, I couldn't be friends with a serial killer. Well, if you knew that they were a serial killer, you couldn't be friends with them. Right, right. Well, what if you didn't know? Well, I still couldn't be friends with them. Dude, there's so How? many of them you that you fucking... wouldn't even know. How? Because I guarantee to you this you got I, serial killer radar on you because i'm pretty sure everybody would fucking love one of those right i guarantee you this i guarantee you this if you are an adult over the age of 30 you have probably brushed arms with a serial killer mm-hmm. i guarantee you that statistically speaking i guarantee you you have brushed arms or 
walked within touching distance of a serial killer. But you never knew it. Mm -hmm. You had no idea. Mm -hmm. So put that underneath your pillow and have a good sleep tonight. <laughs> you know? because right. Yeah, it's just one of those deep questions. So I guess everybody else is just going to have to come back with us. What would be your... Could you... Could, 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 you, could, you, could, you? could you be a friend with a serial killer? Oh, I could. And could you be a friend with them if you knew that they were a serial killer after a time? Like, of course... If somebody walks up to you and is like, hey, my name's Ember and I've murdered 800 people. You want to be my friend? And I'm pretty sure you don't. No, right. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> right. But, and and that's the deal is there's there's so many. Yeah, but, no, but, yeah, yeah but, but, no, but, yeah, but, no, but, you know. know. My favorite. It's my favorite <laughs> game to play. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but. Right. Because I'd say if it was, if it was a dude going around taking out cartel members, mm -hmm. could you be could you be friends with someone that went around and only took out cartel members known certified watched listed cartel members mm -hmm. yes i could and see uh, yes yeah but no but yeah but no but because <laughs> i try to distance myself from things that would potentially be dangerous no and i that I get way that. you I, know so i would i would be so sad but i'd be like yeah so we're still cool right but um i'm gonna eat my sandwich over here yeah i'm gonna be busy not being around that because sure. if somebody gets mad at you or what just being in that same circle like i just don't I respect your circle, but I don't want to be in it. <laughs> sure. Well, there's so many pages to that book. Oh, yeah. There, there's so many pages to that book. Yeah, we can't keep going deep into it. We'll be here all night. I know, and that's not going to happen. No. But there's... And... I, I guess, here's my question. Here's my question to all of you out in Fapland. <laughs> Fapland? Oh Faplandistan. Faplandistan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you found out that your best friend had a secret or a past that they had done some fucked up vile shit but it paralleled your mindset mm -hmm. what would you do what how would your thoughts be like prime example for me for this is this is quinn hammond speaking if one of my buddies came up to me and said look dude this is what it is this is how it is i go around and i guarantee and i i verify and i validate and i get all the documentation that i possibly can and i know that this dude and this dude and this dude and this dude and this dude have all been convicted done time and were released but they all raped little kids under five years old and they're 30 40 50 60 years old and i got all this documentation and i went and i took them out me personally i'd give them a high five and buy them a beer mm -hmm. i have no problem with that good for you dude mm -hmm. and i appreciate your confidence and you telling me that and guess what my fucking lips are sealed mm -hmm. my lips are sealed now on the flip side of that if i had one of my buddies come up to me and say man i got a thing for five six seven year old little kids fuck you you son of a bitch i'm gonna work your ass over and i'm taking your ass to jail yeah. or i'm gonna end up in prison because <laughs> you're gonna be dead right so that's what i'm saying is everybody has that hypocritical point so my question is this if one of your buddies came up to you and and told you that they did something that you absolutely 100 percent agree with would you squeal or would you just let it be 
Yeah, which also creates a whole new can of worms because everybody's moral compass is different. Just because you can find a friend that thinks the same as you do doesn't mean that what they're doing shouldn't be reported. No, 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 absolutely. And I hear exactly what you're saying. And that's that's just the deal. And it's kind of like how we've talked about before is my perspective is different than your perspective. Mm -hmm. My moral compass is north is different than your moral compass is north. Right. So whose is better? Whose is the right one? Mine's right for me. Right. But that doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't make it right. Right. But it makes it right for me. So that's why we circle the drain of what is right and what is wrong and why people are in jail (laughs) and where do we draw the line in law. Yep. It's a big, deep motherfucker. (laughs) So the question is, are you sinkers or floaters? (laughs) (laughs) And this has been Yabbit (laughs) Nobit. With Quinn and Ember. Right. And this is the end of Dean Coral. May he burn in hell. May he burn? Still don't know how to fully feel about the other two. Um, I think I feel more sympathy towards Wayne than I do David, which is weird. I mean, personally, they can find sympathy between shit and syphilis in the dictionary for me. I yeah. have none for them. Yeah, well, I mean, I can feel I can feel for them as, you know, in their kid, their childhood, you know. I can feel for that aspect of them. It doesn't mean that I condone what they what happened from from that, you know. But right. but David not owning up to anything uh-uh. is why I can give more towards Wayne than I can David. And I understand that. I I get what you're saying. I mm-hmm. truly do. I truly do. But even twelve year olds know what's right. Oh yeah. Even twelve year olds know the difference between right and wrong. Well, some of them. No. Even twelve year olds know the difference between right and wrong whether they accept to abide by it that falls on them mm-hmm. it all depends on where you're at up here no, in your headspace you. at the time she's yeah she's pointing at her head everyone just so you know because yeah. you can see her yeah anyways <laughs> that's the end of that next week is gonna be an interesting and heavy episode mm-hmm. and we're not gonna talk about it nope you're gonna figure there is it out no, next week there is no guess who for next week there is nope it's no. just it's just gonna happen but today next and I will say this next week is a special deal and Don't make sure too much make sure you check it all the way out mm-hmm. make sure you check it all the way out mm-hmm. and our promo today comes from Sarah and her podcast is good nightmare mm-hmm. I love Sarah she has a special place in my little heart hole right and her podcast covers all the cool little like creepy odd things and even dark history fairy tales origins yes all that kind of stuff she just did one on snow white and edgar Allan poe were the last two that i listened to and they were amazing mm-hmm. uh, and she has a sweet australian accent so i naturally am going to love it it's hot anyways <laughs> until next week have fun. Get on our threads. Tell us your... Tell us your yeah, but no, but... Yep. Tell us your yeah, but no, but we want to hear it. <laughs> and yeah. See you next week. Good night. Goodbye. Hey, everyone. This is Sarah from Good Nightmare Podcast, a podcast where I like to talk about all things strange and unusual, whether it's mysteries, historical crimes, or fairy tale origins. I hope you'll come along for the ride and join me as we delve into some spooky tales. Happy listening.